Well, good evening. Good to see all of you out once again. As I mentioned, uh, I switched my lessons. Uh, as I got to preparing them, I decided this might be a better Sunday night lesson. I'm kind of glad I did. Uh, just because of the fact that we had visitors this morning, uh, I think that the morning lesson is more appropriate for, for what I used it for. But this lesson is actually the conclusion of our series on Christian living, the desire to be like Jesus. And we've been continuing this series throughout this month, and so this will be the final lesson. And part of Christian living, we understand, is winning souls, evangelism, if you will. Uh, that's something that we as Christians must be active in. This morning's lesson was on answering the call, and I think this one ties in very well because uh, as we concluded this morning's lesson with obedience and faithfulness, we understand that, that faithfulness is part of Christianity. It's far, part of the, the answering the call that we are doing as Christians. And so if we're answering the call to be Christians and to carry on the message of Christ, part of living faithfully is winning soul. Something we must be active in. Something that we must be doing. As we look at this lesson, as we look at, at what we're talking about tonight, again, I mentioned the word evangelism. What is evangelism? Evangelism equals spreading of the good news or the gospel. As we look at the, the word Itself, It goes back to the meaning of good news or gospel. That's what evangelism is all about. Now, depending on who you ask, you might get a different answer to this question. But who is an evangelist? Contrary to common belief, an evangelist is not one holding the office or holding a office in the church. Uh, as we look at evangelists. Yes, preachers are evangelists. We um, are active in evangelism. We try to reach out to different souls around us. And that's what carrying the good news is all about. But it's not just an office in the church. Some congregations will use the term evangelist to refer to their preacher, but he's not the only evangelist, or at least he shouldn't be the only evangelist in the church. See, preachers such as myself were no more than members who are still under the oversight of elders. We're, we're no different than any other Christian just because we serve as the minister. Because the job that I do is, is basically the job of everyone with the exception of me standing in the pulpit. That's the only difference. So, as far as Christianity is concerned, we understand that all Christians are evangelists in some way. Preachers are just as accountable, if not more so, if you think back to what is said in James chapter 3 and verse 1. Preachers are just as accountable for what they teach as anybody else. And as with other members, elders are to ensure that what is spoken from the pulpit is the unaltered Word of God. If I were to speak something that is against God's Word, I can expect to be removed from this place. 
So whenever we look at the importance of an evangelist, even someone standing in the pulpit is not the only evangelist in the congregation, but all members are evangelists. And just to really drive the point home, well, let's look at those who are qualified to be evangelists. Those who live Christ's life. Those who live the life of a Christian. Those who hold a good reputation, not just in the church, but outside of the church as well. It's important that we have a good reputation among other people. You see, if, if I live a life that is different than what I'm trying to preach to people, are they going to trust me? Are they going to listen to what I have to say? Certainly not. So, we must have a good reputation among those of the world if we're going to be evangelistic, if we're going to carry the good news to them. Another qualification of an evangelist is Someone who knows the truth. We have to know the truth. We have to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. If we cannot handle aright, I think is a way that another translation puts it, but if we can't handle aright the word of God, we have no business teaching other people. There are many people, there are many out there who believe that they are evangelistic, and yet they teach something that is contrary to the truth. That's something we have to be aware of. But anyone who knows the truth can teach it. Even if you only know what you did to become a Christian, you know enough to teach people what they need to do to become a Christian. So those who know the truth are qualified to be evangelists. And a third qualification that we might do well to notice one who loves God and man. We have to have a true love for God. We have to have a true love for man in order to reach out to those around us if we are to win the loss to Jesus. But as we get into our lesson and, and really get into the, the meat of it, let's look at the reasons for evangelism. There are some reasons that are given in Scripture for evangelism. Number one reason, at least number one on my list, all of sin. And that alone is enough reason to be evangelistic. We have to understand that all have sinned. Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 9. Romans chapter 3 and beginning with verse 9 and following. The latter part of verse 9, it says, We have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin as it is written there is none righteous no not one there is none who understands there is none who seeks after God they have all turned aside they have together become unprofitable there is none who does good no not one their throat is an open tomb with their tongues they have practiced deceit the poison of asps is under their, their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
And verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are exceptions to this. As we looked in our, our chair lesson a few weeks ago, we understand that the exceptions to this rule, if you will, are children who have not yet reached the age of accountability. They do not understand sin or how to avoid it. And so they are an exception to this. Another exception would be those who are mentally incapable of understanding sin and the plan of salvation and the meaning of all of it. And it may be that they never reach the age of accountability because their mind just cannot comprehend the gospel. They cannot comprehend the good news. They cannot comprehend sin either. And so they would be an exception to this also. They, they will not be punished for their crimes if that, that they have no knowledge of. It just won't happen. God is a righteous judge. We also have to understand that all who sin are in danger of the judgment. Paul, contrasting death and eternal life, said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, for sin, if we continue in sin, if we live a life of sin, the wages of sinning in that way, wages of sin is death. That's another reason to be evangelistic. Realizing that that those who, who sin, those who continue a life of sin, that's what they're aiming for. That's, that's their goal. Whether they realize it or not, the wages of sin is death. Revelation chapter 20 verses 14 and 15. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Anyone who has not believed and obeyed, as we'll look at in a moment. Anyone who has not done those things is not found in the book of life and will be cast into the lake of fire. That's not something that we want. Speaking of those who do not know God and have not obeyed the gospel in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Everlasting destruction. I would wish that on a soul. And seeing the punishment for continuing in sin should be all the more reason to reach out to the lost souls around us. It should stir a desire within Christians to, to reach them with the truth in order that they might be saved. If the gospel is not carried to the lost, the lost will remain in their current condition and will be separated from the righteous in judgment as we read in Matthew 25, verse 46. Another reason that we have for being evangelistic 
and for winning souls to Christ. We have been commissioned to do so. Since I used Matthew chapter 28 this morning, I'll use Mark 16, verses 15 and 16 tonight. Mark 16, and beginning with verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. You see, anyone who believes will be obedient. If they truly believe, they will be obedient to the gospel, which results in baptism for the remission of sins, as we see in Acts 2 and 38. Anyone who does not believe, says here, they will be condemned. Why? Because anyone who doesn't believe is not going to be obedient. There's nothing that that they can do because they don't believe. They have no reason to be obedient to the gospel. They have to believe. And one who does not believe will not obey. They will also be condemned. We understand that this commission was given to the apostles, but in their absence today, we also understand that Christians are to carry on the commission that was given to them. It's our job to reach out to those who are lost in the world. We are to reach the world with the gospel. We are to bring them to the point of obedience through baptism. We are to teach them how to follow the word of God. We teach them how to be Christians and evangelists so that they too can carry out this commission. It's an ongoing process. So we pass it on to another generation and that generation carries the gospel. They pass it on to another generation. That's how it's been done for a long, long time. But if we fail in our job to reach people with the truth, then how can they know what they are commissioned to do? Evangelism is very important. We also understand that Jesus, when he came to this earth, he came with a purpose. I mentioned this briefly this morning. But I want to use the the story of Zacchaeus here. Uh, A story that we're very familiar with. If you're not familiar with the, the scriptures, you're familiar with the song. But as we look at Zacchaeus, we see that that Jesus was coming. He wanted to see him. He climbed up in a tree and Jesus saw him. Say, come down. I'm going to your house. Well, in the end of all of that, we read this in verses 9 and 10 of Luke 19. Luke 19 and verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek, to save that which was lost. That was Jesus' mission. To reach people such as Zacchaeus. To to reach them with with this message of salvation. We're not only carrying out the command of Jesus when we act as evangelists, when we spread the good news, the gospel. Not only carrying out the command of Jesus, but his own purpose. That was his purpose, was to bring salvation. 
Salvation has been brought down. It's up to us to carry it to all men. Had Jesus not died on the cross to save us, we would never see salvation. You ever thought about that? If Jesus hadn't died on the cross, where would we be? Be lost. But thankfully we are not. We should remember Jesus' purpose. Let's also look at how to win souls for Christ. There are certain ways that we can use to carry the gospel, the good news to the world. Going back to what we talked about as we introduced the lesson about the qualifications of an evangelist. Let's look at these a little more in depth. One is knowing the truth. We have to know the truth in order to reach people with the gospel. John chapter 8 and verses 31 and 32 says this. John chapter 8 verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my word. Let me suggest to you that knowing the truth is more than just reading two or three chapters a day. It's more than just sitting in a Bible class or listening to a preacher. In order to truly know the truth, we have to study it. We have to ask questions. And if we can't find answers, ask someone else. But we have to study in order to know the truth. Christians must abide in His Word. It's more than just reading. It's, it's understanding. If you don't understand, your reading is doing no good. So we have to understand. We have to abide in His Word. Christians must apply Scripture to daily life, using it as a guide. I've told this a couple of times. I remember Brother Marion West. He was my preacher for a long, long time. I remember one of the things that he said a lot. It's one of the ones that, one of the key phrases that I remember from him. He said, this is the blueprint for your life. And as a child, I didn't understand that. I, I looked all in there. I never did find any blueprints. But I understand now what he was saying. You see, everything that we need for life is given to us already. All the answers are found in this book. It's just up to us to find them. You see, if I don't study, if I don't understand what I'm reading, if I don't comprehend it. Remember the, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8? We read of him studying from the book of Isaiah, and, and yet he didn't understand. Well, well, how can I understand unless someone tells me, unless somebody shows me what this means? See, he was studying. He desired to understand the word. But if we don't really study it, if we don't try to understand what's being said here, then how will the Word abide in us? We understand what it says in verse 32, but we often don't put it with verse 31, John 8. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, but you must abide in the Word. We can use this as a guide for our lives. The answers to all of our questions are there. Are we seeking them? Are we seeking Jesus? 
In Psalm chapter 1, in the first three verses of Psalm 1, it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sin, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. As we look at what it means to abide in his word I think this presents it very well. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Yeah, I think it's possible. As a matter of fact, I think there was a time in my life where, where I struggled with this too. Having a true desire to study God's Word. You see, it's hard sometimes to take time out of your day to make sure that you read and that you try to understand what you're reading. It's hard to do. But if we have a delight in God's Word, if we have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, it makes it a lot easier. It makes it a lot easier to study because then you, you go from, from just trying to get your quota in for the day to really trying to comprehend what you're reading. Whenever you, you begin to study in that way, you come to a point where you want to spend more time in God's Word. As you, you desire to spend more time in God's Word, eventually you, you commit things to memory. You, you start, uh, whenever someone says something, sometimes might come out with a, a random verse of Scripture. That's what abiding in God's Word is. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his, in his law he meditates day and night. Even when you're not studying God's Word, you're still thinking of God's Word. How can I apply it in this situation? I found various situations in work and things of that nature that the Scripture can apply to. That's what it means to meditate in God's Word. And when we do that, it says that he shall be like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. It's well taken care of, well watered, well, uh, well fed, if you will. Uh, a tree that is very fruitful and very strong, sturdy. It won't just fall over with a breeze. That's what we'll be like. We must live the truth in order to speak the truth. Again, no one can trust you if you don't know the truth and live it. Another, uh, another thing that we find that is helpful in reaching lost souls we must have a love for God and mankind. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31, Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
This is the first commandment. And the second is like second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Until one is seen with love and compassion as Jesus saw others, we do not have the spirit that God desires and we are not his disciples. I'm going to give you an example that is very relevant to today's time. Just yesterday, there was a rally that was supposed to be held in Murfreesboro and when it didn't go so well in Shovelville, they, they decided not to come to Murfreesboro. But, there was a rally that was going to be held. White Lives Matter. It, it was a, a hate group, if I've ever heard of one. Their desire was that, that only white people would be considered as citizens in this nation. And I hope that, that never comes to be. But so much hatred... It's hard for me to imagine how people can have so much hatred for someone who has a different color of skin. But I do believe that there are people that, that would be stand ready that would would stand against them in maybe the wrong way. That would be just as filled with hatred and desire to do exactly what they do to other people. people that are filled with such hatred it's hard to look on them with love isn't it but you know I had friends that, that, that posted prayers on Facebook and, and things of that nature I prayed myself for these people that were filled with such hatred going back to uh, two or three weeks ago whenever a gentleman came in and, and shot Burnett's chapel a sister congregation. The very next Sunday they came together and from what I understand from, from all accounts they prayed for the shooter. That's what Christianity is about. There are people that are filled with hate. There are people that, that fill their lives and being with violence and foul language and things of that nature and it's hard to look at them with love. But something that we have to realize is no matter how rough and tough someone looks, uh, no matter how they may appear on the outside, God looks at them with love. And if we look at them through the eyes of God, then we will also see them with love. And just as Jesus did, we'll have compassion on them and we'll desire to win those souls to Christ. If we ever have the opportunity, we desire to win those souls to Christ. We must treat others as we want to be treated. Matthew 7 and verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. That's the golden rule. I find it interesting how many times, how many things that we use in our world that people don't realize that go back to Scripture. This is one of them. Whatever you want men to do to you, not as they do to you, but whatever you want them to do to you, do also to them. 
We need to treat people with kindness. Speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Speaking the truth in the wrong way is not likely to win souls. So we have to be very careful of how we speak the truth even. Desiring to speak to them about Jesus, the Bible, etc. Knowing that they are spiritually lost and realizing their punishment and that God wants them to be saved. He doesn't want a single soul, no matter how hard they look, no matter how rough they look. He doesn't want a single soul to perish, no matter how much hatred fills their heart and is shown in their life. God still wants them to come to know Him. He's unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine. We have to have the same attitude. And finally, one of the best ways to reach souls is by preaching Christ through our example. Uh, again, reputation has a great deal to do with how many souls you may win. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor did they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, we have a light to shine. I don't think it's just the reflection of Christ. I think that's a great part of it. I think we have our own light as well. The way we live our lives shines a certain light in the world. It shows them something about us. It shows them something about Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, it's not all about me. It's not about me doing things so that people will look at me and say, well, look at what Kyle did. Uh, how great is that that he helped so-and-so or he did this and... And that, that's not what it's all about. You see, we want people to see us and in us see Christ. It's up to us to make sure that, that they don't see us to glorify us. How many times did the apostles refuse praise and worship from people after they had done some kind of wondrous deed? How many times did they say, you're looking at the wrong person. We did this through Christ. We did this through the power of the Holy Spirit. We did this through the power of God. It's not about glorification of myself. But it's about glorifying God in my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Basically what he was saying there is, is that any time that I turn away from God's Word, then, then stop imitating me. If I do something contrary to God's will, stop imitating me. 
But if I'm imitating God, if I'm imitating Christ, then you imitate me. But just so long as I imitate Christ. And it's not about me. But it's all about God. When we appreciate Jesus' sacrifice for us, take away our sins in the way that he did we are more likely to share the good news with others when was the last time that you thought excitedly about Christianity about carrying the good news to the world are you happy as a Christian I've seen some Christians that walk around with a frown all the time I think something missing there it's my personal opinion. Are you happy to be a Christian? Are you happy to be a child of God? Are you happy that your sins have been taken away from you? Are you excited about it? Are you so excited that you want to carry that good news to the world? That's what it's all about. You see, it's when we become complacent. It's when we, we stop being excited about it that that we ultimately fail as, as far as Christianity and evangelism is concerned. It's easy to be discouraged, but don't let Satan discourage you. Don't let him beat you down. Show the joy and love of a Christian throughout your life. Until you reach the end, until you finally reach the great reward that awaits us. I don't know where you stand tonight if you're a faithful child of God or not or, or even if you've become a Christian through obedience to the plan of salvation being baptized for the remission of sins as, as well as the other things also. But if you're not a child of God or if you're not faithful if there's something that we can do to help you know that we love you and we care for you pray that you would come as together we stand and as we sing.